All right, plebs, mostly, but not exclusively, of the USA. It's been a big couple of weeks in British politics, and you Yanks are going to get the lowdown on what's been coming on over the here. Lowdown and the hoedown. With the return from back from hiatus, who better to comment on British politics than the mighty, mighty Tom Laird? He of leadership of the Scottish Libertarian Party Indeed. and of co-hostship of the Scottish Liberty Podcast. Can I just say that rumours of my grisly demise, <laughs> do you like that? Right. My uh, grisly demise okay. at the hands, or indeed the paws, claws and teeth of the Ursine community have been greatly exaggerated. Yeah, someone came on YouTube and asked, where's Tam, by the way? And I said, sadly, he was eaten by bears. So... <laughs> But not fully digested. We were willing, we were able to. But I was nibbled at by a hare. Yeah. So, so. I've got very few of those left. So. You've got plenty left. They're just not where you want them. Yeah. <laughs> or any decent person would want them. Adam Smasher is with us. Tom could be a bear. I am quite berry, actually. I do yes. have. Is that your is that your view on amount of hair? Is that your view on the stock market as well? Are you yeah, very I'm, bearish? I'm, I'm quite bearish on the, on the stock market as well. Yeah, so but I am. I am extra, apart from my heed. Obviously, I'm extraordinarily hairy. You know, my I've, women often boast that you know the, their hair was long at one time and they could sit in their hair. I can still sit in my hair. Well, so. I once had hair down to my ass, but I realised I was covering my best feature, so I had to cut it. Let's get in the picture here. So you're going to teach us about the British, Scottish slash British political landscape. A lot of people over there might know that we had a European parliamentary election and that the, the results were quite interesting um, yeah, and quite uh, meaningful. A pretty good result for a new party in the UK called the Brexit Party. Uh, you may have heard of them. Um, they are literally weeks old. Okay, it's quite a, a feat. Quite, yeah, it's unprecedented in British electoral history where somebody has formed a party uh, and within a matter of weeks been able to mount a successful election campaign and win seats in the European Parliament. And um, how much of the percentage of the vote did this new party win? I reckon that, uh, oh, no, that's a good question. Uh, I would hate to just off the top of my head, but I'm going to have to do it anyway. It's, it's, it's about 38%, I reckon. Or, or no, 40. If you actually, okay, the Brexit party themselves got around about 30, 38% roughly, but by the time you add in people who voted for parties who claim to be for, to implement the the leave process, then it's, it's a majority for, for so, leave. Some of them might know that UKIP, uh, I know that a lot of libertarians in, in America are fans of Nigel Farage or his appearances in, in mm. the the media over there. I don't know if he's a full- You say Farage, I say Farage. 
Do you say Farage? I say Farage. I've I got a garage, Nigel not Farage. a garage. But everyone calls him Nigel Farage. Okay. So the, the, the thing is... Legal Farage. I'm not sure if he is a libertarian, but he's got a libertarian streak. He makes libertarian noises. He make from time to time. Yeah. Now, he, what, he did he form the UK Independence Party? We're going to tell people a little bit about no. that. Uh, the UK Independence Party was formed by a guy called Sir James Goldsmith, now deceased, uh, who was a sort of banking merchant, banking tycoon. He was he was he, he was big, big in the eighties with the whole uh, takeover bid thing um, and the, the whole public limited company thing. He he made a a, a fort, but he was already a rich man. He his daughter was Jemima Goldsmith, who married. Um, Imran Khan, the former cricketer, now the president of, or prime minister of Pakistan, and I think she also had a dalliance with Russell Brand. Ooh. But then, who didn't? I think who you did. did. <laughs> you did at some point as well. But that yeah, was but, a, but that was a mistake. I, I pitched he caught. Just to be clear, just to be clear, I closed okay. my eyes. A and horrific. Uh, I, I closed my eyes and pretended it was a girl. Um, so, <laughs> so <laughs> a, a, a very beardy girl. A bearded lady. Actually, if I, if I could imagine Russell Brand in a dress, he wouldn't look much unlike that uh, Israeli transgen, trans whatever person who won Eurovision that time. Remember that beardy bloke in a dress? I'm not 100% that sure. Oh, 48.1 uh, million sorry this no, is this was just that was just one candidate okay, okay. So, so anyway but they, they did rather well in scotland wait a second because you didn't explain unfortunately you didn't wait, wait wait come around to it because i just want to get the point on the ukip party because people nigel farage may not have joined uh, started the ukip party but, but he, he made a success he made of a success out of it and they were responsible for getting us to vote on brexit yeah. which brexit Tears won 52%, 48% or that or thereabouts. Yeah. So you could say, as you have said on the show, he's one of the most successful politicians. I think politicians. possibly the most successful politician of our time. Uh, I mean, yes. I mean he, he, he done exactly, with UKIP, he, he, done, he achieved exactly what he set out to do, which is force the Conservative Party into to give him, because they, you know, a lot of votes and even uh, supporters and actually sitting MPs defected from the Conservative Party to UKIP. Uh, and in addition to that, uh, he's managed to form this brand new party and garner quite a lot of the votes. Now, he managed to trounce UKIP, because obviously UKIP are a Brexit party as well, but the reason uh, the Brexit party did so well is because they're pretty much a cross-party uh, entity. There are people from all backgrounds in politics. One of their, uh, I think, successful candidates would be Claire Fox right. of the, used to be the Institute for Ideas, I think it's now called the and Academy, she, Academy she's of Ideas. On the left. Traditionally, she was. She came from the Revolutionary Communist Party right. in her youth, um, which is the same group that um, Brendan O'Neill was, uh, was involved with, and those guys uh, living right. Marxism. Um, the Spike did it. Yeah, I thought you'd say that. So Brendan O'Neill did it. Spike, even uh, George Galloway, uh, who he was wasn't a member, but I we're think going to speak yeah. about him later. But yeah. he endorsed the Brexit Party and okay. said, uh, leading uh, 
some to say that the horseshoe theory of politics of the political spectrum is is correct if you go it's far and the people out there with the horseshoe <laughs> it's the idea that if you go far enough left or far enough right you know that the political okay. spectrum's like a horseshoe you end up back where you came from and some uh, almighty, does that mean at some point i'm going to collide with george gallery and create some sort of rip in the Time-space continuum. We're going to have to find out. Okay. Uh, Adam Smasher says, is Sargon feuding with Farage now? Do you know anything about that? I don't know a lot about it, but he said Sargon obviously ran for UKIP uh, unsu unsuccessfully uh, during that that He's European campaign. Um, he was, both he and Count Dankula were invited to join uh, UKIP by Gerard Barton, who's the, the leader, current leader. And during that campaign, look, campaigns are messy, but he said some things about the Brexit party and about Farage uh, that were quite disparaging. He disparaged the Farage, Farage. He disparaged uh, the Farage. And said that you know, they were a flash in the pan and that you know, the problem with it, the problem with the Brexit party is they, they, they couldn't come up with a coherent um, either constitution or uh, manifesto. But that wasn't the point. The point was really just that they were called the Brexit Party, and guess what? That was the main thrust of their argument. They weren't looking necessarily for power. However, today, Thursday, is the Peterborough by-election. Uh, that was called because a sitting Labour MP is now incarcerated at Her Majesty's pleasure for lying about a speeding uh, traffic offence that she was involved in. And now uh, there's a, that's triggered the by-election, and it, they are confident. Brexit party are confident that they might even get a seat in the UK Parliament, which would be uh, unprecedented as well. Um, so it's it's a, a, a roaring success story for the Brexit party there and Nigel Farage. But you know, the, Farage is a controversial guy. There are a lot of people in UKIP who didn't like him. Um, there are some people who say he's an egoist. And a, a, I guess at that level, you've got to be a, a bit of a, yeah, a, 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 a bit of an egoist. Um, uh, unlike us two, no. obviously, we have um, Very transcended. This any sense of ego, and at any moment, you might even witness it on this podcast at some point. We are in danger of just becoming two glowing orbs of enlightenment, uh, of enlightenment floating. I mean, the um, only reason why we're not as big as Stefan Molyneux is because we're so modest. This is it. Our modesty has always mm. been our greatest if, if we uh, were, asset. If we were immodest, we'd be like bigger than Paul Joseph Watson and like Alex Jones put together. We have to work on our uh, more on our either what immodesty or modesty. Uh, or, our, um, we have to work on our immodesty. Hubris. We need hubris. To, we need to become more hubristic. Yeah. Let's form the hubris party. The hubris party. I find that's pretty and much I, just all of I the mean, parties. With our here. with our talents, modest will we be? We will. Modest will we be? What are you from the West Country? <laughs> <laughs> you, you, Doing some sort of Shakespearean fucking uh, you know, play today, you know. more modest than we be. That could be our unique selling point. Rika, the hopeful voluntarist, has joined us. Uh, what are you hopeful about, uh, Rika? Is it Rika or Rika? Ricochet. Okay, lol, the hubris party. That could be our actual uh, <laughs> <laughs> <A> hashtag. <laughs> lol, the hubris party. 
Rika. Like we. Rika. <laughs> Tom's not just being weird, by the way, for those who are listening on SoundCloud or iTunes. He is actually reading out some of the comments <laughs> on the live stream. So, I guess uh, you were going to mention the fact that Scotland embarrassed themselves. Oh, Peter McCain. Sorry, Peter McCain. Hi, Peter. Uh, good to hear from you. How's things? Uh, you still studying like a demon possessed? How does a demon get possessed? Another person who's inspired, who's embarrassed themselves. So <laughs> Scotland, and um, Scotland. If you look at the map, they sometimes color code the map to show what constituencies yeah. who voted for what, and it's like all of England virtually as Brett comes up the color of the Brexit Party. Whereas virtually all of Scotland comes up as um, Scottish National Party. Yeah. So again, Scotland very anti-Brexit compared to the English. Maybe, sadly, one of the best arguments for Scotland <laughs> being an independent country from the UK is that their values, their po politics are so divergent. Oh, okay. Here's here's my theory though. I don't think there are there are so many European supporters in Scotland as the SNP would like us to believe. Even the the Scottish National Party themselves have a huge amount of uh, anti-EU people in them. In fact, I think per in fact I'm positive that per head um, per capita, their their party had more leave voters in it than any other than any other political party. It's just that the party themselves have a pro-EU stance. Um, so, the, yeah, I think why people are voting for, not for the EU, but against Brexit is because they're hoping they get a second Scottish referendum out of it. Because if they can show, if they can demonstrate that Scotland is at odds with England on this to say, well, that gives us a, a mandate for another referendum on Scottish independence. But here's the thing. Scotland had a vote. They decided to remain. Scotland as a whole decided to remain within the UK, which was democratic. By 55 to 45. So yeah. it was still a small margin. Yeah. So, but the uh, Brexit Party did get one MEP in Scotland, which was a guy called Brian Monteith. Uh, who is the editor of an online publication called Think Scotland. I urge you to, to seek it out. It's a sort of um, right of centre uh, opinion piece uh, publication. And uh, Brian Monteith the editor of that. And he ran for the Brexit Party and got a good result. So good, uh, congratulations it's to Brian Monteith there. Actually, we might try and get Brian Monteith on the show. That would be good, yeah. yeah. It's, it's worth mentioning that the two major parties in the UK, the Conservatives and Labour, did absolutely horrendously yeah. uh, in the, the European parliamentary elections. They're, did they get any seats? Did, Labour, um, I think they, they may have retained some of the seats that they had, but no, they, they'd done uh, pretty badly overall. Um, and in Scotland, the Labour Party done spectacularly badly, uh, considering that this Scotland was a absolute Labour fortress, a stronghold for the Labour Party. In fact, it could be argued that any time that the Labour Party got into power in the UK is because of the Scottish vote. 
mm. it could always be relied on. But that that monopoly was broken in Scotland by the Scottish National Party, and they basically absorbed the Labour vote. Yes, I think because under the Blair, I under the Blair years, the Tony Blair years, the Labour Party was seen as too right wing. Yeah, for Scotland, like. They, their attack on civil liberties and their participation in the war on terror, their pro-war stance was seen as a betrayal of whatever left-wing values people here thought were associated with left-wing. Yeah. I'm not so sure that I'm as optimistic as you. I don't think there's a bunch of anti-EU Scottish independence voters deliberately voting for SNP because... Not deliberately voting for uh, against Brexit. Yeah, I don't think that in the the recent election, I don't think there was a ton of Scottish voters voting SNP because they want out of the European Union or because they want out of the UK, and um, but also want out of the European Union. I don't think they're sitting there going, going. Well, I'm f I'm against the EU, but I'm going to vote for the SNP anyway. There might be some, but I think it's a really small number. I think the people who are likely to want out of the EU hate the SNP and will not vote for them. It's, uh, it's a good point and well made. Um, I'm not sure if you're correct. Time will tell. Uh, Peter McCain has uh, asked the question, what do you think Labour's prospects are after the collapse of the Tories? Mm. I don't know. They've done pretty badly themselves as well. Yeah. I don't. I don't see them being able to capitalise on it. To be quite honest, who knows? It's a, it's an open field now. I think possibly that two-party monopoly might be in the way of, to being broken, which is no bad thing really. Um, but we'll see what happens today in the Peterborough by-election. Uh, that that will be an interesting result. Uh, it, it looks like Brexit Party could take it because Peterborough is one of these places near London that returned quite a significant uh, leave vote. So it's looking good for Brexit Party there. So look, here's, here's hoping, because you know, something has to change, you know. And if you to listen to the mainstream media, whether it be the BBC or, um, you know, Channel 4 or, or any of the newspapers, even newspapers that are supposedly on the right, like the Times, you would not think that people were pro-Brexit. You would you would seriously think that uh, that this was something that what that people were against and they're not. You know, there, there's a certain element of uh, the UK society that's for London, for example, Sadiq uh, Khan's uh, Sadiq Khan's London voted uh, for to remain. But as John Cleese pointed out recently, uh, London uh, I think in the last 10 years, London was the first major Western capital to experience a situation in which what you might call white native uh, British people became a minority in the city. Right. So Sadiq Khan, for those who don't know, is the mayor of London. He is. What's his ethnicity? Uh, do you know, I, I, I believe he's uh, South Asian in as ethnicity, so whether it's Pakistani or Indian, Indian. I'm, I'm assuming it's Pakistani. Yeah, me too. Now, the funny thing is, um, he recently, not that that matters, he's just a dick. He no. re recently came out, and well, the reason why it's relevant is he does have a sort of social justice warrior bent to him. So, he recently protested Trump's trip to the UK 
and um, Trump made a couple of funny tweets making fun of him irreverently. Uh, so that's just, I can't remember the specifically what he said, unfortunately. But About I'll, Trump, I can't really call, it was tantamount to basically calling Trump a, a fascist white supremacist. That, that's basically what he, what he called Donald Trump. Um, uh, the, the, Sadiq Khan, basically Sadiq Khan is trying to, is making a lot of noise, covering up for the fact that he's pretty bad at his job and London, the crime rate has gone a little bit out of control to say the is least. Is anyone good at the job of being mayor? Well, like, no, I, think, I think generally speaking, Boris Johnson, actually, to give him his due, Ken Livingston, who I don't have a lot of time for politically, I think was quite popular as mayor of London, you know, and a lot of the things that, that Boris Johnson got the credit for when he was mayor of London were things that were initiated by, um, Christ, I just mentioned his name and it's going completely, Ken, Ken Livingston. Livingston, well, he was uh, uh, mayor of London, but this, Sandy, you know, it's actually, when you look at his record and you look at the things he said, uh, Sadiq Khan is the fascist, you know, not uh, not Donald Trump. It's by which a, measure? By the fact that he's a liberal, the things he, he wants to uh, crack down on the free speech. Right. Um, yeah. He's, he's, so, he's, I mean, he's pretty much Donald it. Trump replied, at Sadiq Khan, who by all accounts has done a terrible job as mayor of London, has been foolishly nasty, in inverted commas, to the visiting president of the United States, by far the most important ally of the United Kingdom. He is a stone-cold loser who should focus on crime in London, not me. Dot, 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 dot. It's really funny because also... Um, Jeremy Corbyn, who's the leader of the Labour Party and the opposition to the ruling government, you guys, the Americans don't have an equivalent of that, do they? It would be like... Equivalent of what? Like, uh, leader of the opposition. So there's not like... It's not like Hillary Clinton gets to lead the Democratic Party. Right. Okay. right. No, I don't think the... So, no, I don't think the... So, but like here, yeah. right, so if, if you had, say, Donald Trump running against Hillary Clinton here, even if Donald Trump Sorry, if Donald Trump wins the prime ministership, Hillary Clinton retains her position as head of the opposition. Yeah. So we have a head of the opposition who's Jeremy Corbyn. He's very left wing. Uh, there was some thought that he might be one of the good lefties, the old fashioned lefties. I like there's such a thing. Yeah, I know, I know. But you know what I mean? Good on foreign policy, good on civil liberties, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Right. But he seems to have not really lived up to the promise. Now. The, the interesting thing is he was attending these protests against Trump's UK visit. Yeah. And it's like, you idiot, what if he wins the next election? It's not likely, but God forbid he became the prime minister of the UK. He's then snubbed Donald Trump, who's still going to be prime minister, who's still going to be president, rather, and will have to deal with him diplomatically. It's the double standard that annoys me, because yeah. you don't see them protesting against um I don't know, the David Cameron meeting with the House of Saud or yeah. whatever it is. Well, they make sort of you know, have grumbling all, noises, but they don't really, the, the, that the, vitriol isn't there. The Emperor of Japan, who was responsible for all those war crimes and all sorts, it doesn't matter. We consistently entertain leaders that have been war criminals. I mean, Bill Clinton bombed that munitions factory in Saddam and Sudan, Sudan, 
George H.W. Bush uh, waged that war in Iraq where 100,000 civilians were killed and they bombed power stations and sewage treatment plants so that they couldn't, so that the hospitals didn't have any electricity. I'm just going to go and close the door because Mr. Uh, Samarov's incapable. Bush, obviously, what do you need to say about Bush? He launched the war on terror. Obama started these atrocities in Yemen. All of these presidents have done far worse things uh, than then could be conscience. What makes Donald Trump so singular? Why why does he get singled out? It's so annoying. The, and the, the it's, it's what he represents to the left, really. You know, um, and even to mainstream conservatives. Cause, yeah, because yeah. there's a whole bunch of cucks, cucksservatives who are joining in the anti-Trump bandwagon, you know, people like David Frum, but there, there's ones in the UK, are, are, can you remember any anti-Trump conservatives in the UK as well that are doing the cuck thing? Oh, there's, there's, uh, there's, there's, there's loads. Um, I think um, Anna Subri would definitely be one um, the conservative who, who who went to the, what was, was Chuka Amuna's party called? They'd done dismally. Uh, Change UK. All right. Yeah, there was a party called Change UK. It ran in the European elections as well, and that was a confederation or a conglomerate of different people from different parties as well. But they all were passionately against the democratic choice uh, that the, the people made, um, because as we all know, people are too stupid to vote. But, but fine. But these people sing the praises of democracy all day long until democracy does what they don't want it to do and then suddenly democracy's bad you know democracy's fine as long as the people are voting the way they want them to but vote. they keep on going oh you know low information voters oh like people were tricked over brexit they they were tricked to vote for brexit like but they don't think that people were tricked to vote <laughs> against brexit yeah. it's like it's it's so frustrating. So there were some personalities that have been in the news in the last month or two that you, you wanted to comment on, and me too. Okay, me too. <laughs> Hashtag um, me too, I want to comment on them. First too. one we'll go for, um, okay, George Galloway, some of the people in the United States may be aware of, of George. Okay, he's, he's been a talk show radio, a uh, talk radio host Can here. Can we just mm. mention before you go on, he, during the, yeah, I, 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 was, I, was, I was about to do that before okay. you interrupted me. Thank you very much. Right, I'm giving you a bit of background. Okay, George Galloway was a, a, a talk radio host here in the UK. Now, he's just been fired. Previous to that, he's been a, a, a member of parliament and has had quite controversial and I would say extreme leftist views. Um, he's extraordinarily anti-Israeli. Uh, um, he was pretty much, he, okay, as Anthony said, he was dragged before the Senate committee in the United States to explain his um, support or their perceived support that he gave to Saddam Hussein. Now, it's a fact. You can find it on YouTube. Just type in George Galloway, Saddam Hussein, and you will see George Galloway basically blowing smoke up the arse of uh, Saddam Hussein to his face, if you can do that, if that's physically possible. Um, 
telling Saddam Hussein that he's he was a great man and that he's is indefatigable. Indefatigable. What a knob. Who uses indefatigable? Like, can you imagine being indefatigable? And I salute. No, he didn't salute. He saluted his uh, his indefatigability. Uh, imagine being the translator on that particular day, you know, <laughs> having to translate that. So anyway, um, in addition to these things, he's also, in my view, a twat. I dislike, I dislike the man intensely. I don't have any time for his politics. However, the Senate committee underestimated him. He's no fool. He's, uh, he's shrewd uh, and cunning, and he's quite good in debate. Oh, he's um, an extraordinary orator. No one can deny his mastery over words. Yeah, I just can't stand the sound of his voice and the like stupid way he speaks. However, I'd like to a couple of okay. points uh, on the me and Saddam Hussein thing. What he had to say. The thing is, he was the most strident opponent of the war on terror in Parliament at the time. He was. He himself was indefatigable in in trying to stop the war on terror, the war in Iraq, the war in Afghanistan, whatever his other faults yeah, are. Yeah, but do you know what? I bet, I bet you if we were having a war against Israel, I bet you George Galloway would be only too pleased. That's neither know? here nor there. Mark right? is quite here. And well, there. you mean, right. So anyway, the point <laughs> so is... I, my, my, point is he's not, he's, my point is that he's a hypocrite. He's not against war and, and bombing people per se. He's just against bombing people that he fucking agrees with. Well, that's basically well, it. that's that's obviously you've you've presented the most uncharitable view okay. of him possible because you don't like him. Yeah. So I would just say in his defence that he was the what the most vocal critic of the war on terror we had, um, and he was marginalised for those views. I think him leaving the Labour Party, which he was a member of for many years, was basically came down to, at the end of the day, his opposition to the war on terror. Yeah. He's um, also a demi and an apologist yeah. for, for Islamism. Okay. Um, so that that that's that's also perhaps valid. I don't know if I, I don't know if I'd go on the record calling him a demi, but um Pretty maybe off the record. But uh, people will have to look up what that means. Right, okay. Now so I, anyway, wait so a second. There's a, point, there's a point to this. Yeah, okay. And you've made yours, so can I please make mine? Um, I wanted to add what he said was he did he did actually go <laughs> and visit that he, he went and visited Saddam Hussein twice. Now they played the video of George Galloway meeting with Saddam Hussein on the te television to discredit him over and over and over again constantly yeah. because he was anti-war. But Donald Rumsfeld met with Saddam Hussein exactly the same number of times Behind that George Galloway did, and they did not play. In what capacity did Donald Rumsfeld he, meet, and when? He went to when he when he was in office. Right, so under, he was in office. Yeah, under H. So was George Galloway. In no, office. he wasn't. He'd done it off his own bat. Nobody right. asked him to go there. Yeah, but he went there to to try and negotiate an order to avert with the second time he was basically that's like going me to, going there to try and no, negotiate was, wait a second i think he was a member of parliament at the time he was so what he wasn't yeah he was going there to try and avert a war with iraq so the thing is donald rumsfeld went to iraq to sell iraq weapons mm -hmm. which they used against iran 
in the Iraq-Iran war. Yeah. And they didn't play the video of Donald Rumsfeld meeting with Iraq over and over and over again on the television because Donald Rumsfeld was for the war on terror, but George Galloway was against the war on terror. So they took that as a propaganda piece and they kept on playing the clip of him talking to Saddam Hussein in order to discredit him and the anti-war movement well, in general. Well, I think it did pretty much discredit it did. him. Right. It did, but I think you're on the wrong side of that. I'm not going to say you're on the wrong side of history. You're on the wrong side of that dispute because the only reason why they kept on playing George Galloway meeting with Saddam Hussein was to credit, discredit but, the anti-war but I have movement. To, I have to reiterate my point. Nobody asked him to go there, right? Yeah, yeah he was going there to try and avert the war on terror. Okay, did, did, at any time while, while Iraq was at war with Iran, did he go there and try and stop? He went there twice. Did, 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 he, go, did he go and try and, uh, while he was blowing smoke up Saddam Hussein's ass, did he at any point say, although you're indefatigable, you're a ruthless dictator who tortures people, uh, kills people, murders people, you know, and, uh, well, and why, invaded why would, QA? Why, why yeah. would he if he was trying to actually get right, Saddam okay. Hussein to... We, we actually digress, right? So right, that's right. a bit of burn. Uh, you, you can find, just type in George Galloway, uh, Saddam Hussein, and make your own mind up, okay? Um, I don't like the guy. I think that's vastly apparent. However, he recently was sacked. This is why we're talking about him. He was sacked from his talk radio show... Um, because he allegedly made anti-Semitic comments. Um, now, he didn't make them during his show, so he wasn't working, so to speak, when he made them. He made them in his own private Twitter feed. Uh, I don't think they were anti-Semitic. It was basically a nature of a jibe. Um, there was a football match, or as you call it in the US, a soccer match between Liverpool and Tottenham Hotspur. Liverpool won. Uh, I'm guessing George Galloway's a Liverpool, not supporter, but sympathiser, because Liverpool's quite a left-wing area, or it gets that reputation. It's very much like Glasgow. Um, industrial area, shipbuilding, that kind of stuff. Tottenham is has a reputation for being, is it about middle class? Or it's certainly there's, there's a huge Jewish following of that team. And Tottenham had quite a, a large Jewish population at one time. And one, one of the nicknames of Tottenham Hotspur is the Yeds. Well, they, they call themselves the, the, the Yeds, the Yed Army. So, and, 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 and there are certain, <laughs> okay, uh, controversial, but there's a, uh, they, a lot of people, a lot of fans of Tottenham Hotspur FC uh, wave Israeli flags at their football matches. And George Galloway commented, well, because Liverpool won, at least, or, you know, there won't be any Israeli flags on the cup, you know. Um, and his employer has decided that this is an anti-Semitic comment and he's been sacked. And George Galloway has said, I'll see, see you in court. court and he's going to sue them. Now, as a libertarian, I think an employer has a right. I, I don't know. First of all, I don't know what George Galloway's contract is with his employer. Right? I haven't read it, so I don't really know what's in there. Maybe there's a clause in there that says if you say anything, uh, whether or not you're on air or whether it's in private, and we don't like it, we'll sack you. Maybe that's in his contract. 
I think an employer has a right to be a dick if it, if it wants and sack you for absolutely no reason whatsoever. That's um, why I fired Tam yeah, exactly. from the uh, podcast for, for the last few months. <laughs> yeah, just for whatever, just for any reason whatsoever. So, so here's the thing, and, and, if, and if it's unfair, if it's a breach of contract, you can take that through civil court, and this is what, what George Galloway is doing. However, it's part of a, a greater, a bigger picture in which employers now are sacking people uh, for, and it's, it's basically a cow town to left-wing pressure as far as I can see. Um, but the left-wing pressure is not to oppose Israel. The left-wing pressure is, well, if it was a lefty thing, the left hate Israel, so they'd be on his side. I, I guess so. It, it's complicated. It's more, it's more complicated because it's just part of overall uh, social justice warrior culture where and you can't say this, yeah, you can't say you that. You can't say that. But there is a kind of thing at the moment about anti-Semitism. The Labour Party has been accused of being extremely anti-Semitic. There is an element, I believe, it's my assessment of the left, that there is an element that are pretty much pretty much good old-fashioned Jew haters. I'm sure Andy might disagree with me. There is an element in the, of, of, of the left that, that are like that. The communists, in fact, the Soviet Union was extremely yeah, anti-Jewish. They, they, they didn't quite uh, wipe them out the way that the, the Nazis did. But if you were a Jew in the Soviet Union, you were pretty much a dissident. Well, yeah, I mean, my... my um ancestors came to Scotland in 1905 to escape persecution in Ukraine yeah. uh, and and part of the reason why the there were so many Jews involved in Bolshevism was because Russia had uh, the Russian Tsars had a history of pogroms um, of yeah pogroms against the Jewish people so they're like oh yeah let's get rid of the Tsars and stuff like that and then they go oh it's a Jewish conspiracy and um, but the th but the thing is, um, that was continued. The communists uh, continued to persecute the Jews and scapegoat them. So I don't know, like, I, I, there's Jew hatred everywhere, so I'm, I'm sure that there's Jew hatred the, on the, the left. Wasn't, wasn't oh, Marx yeah. a self-loathing kind of Jew? Well, well. He, he, he made many, he, he has a couple of essays on what he doesn't like about Jews. Right. And they're, they, uh, you can read Marx on Jews. I quoted Marx on... On you know these alt rightists, a lot of them are so fucking ignorant. One was speaking about Marx on Facebook, and I quoted Mark he, he, uh, Marx on Jews to him, and he was like totally shocked. He'd never even heard that Marx wrote against Jews, and he was like, "Oh, I love Marx now," jokingly, but I think he was a little bit embarrassed mm -hmm. by his own ignorance. The point is, um, I think a lot of the time, obviously, speaking against Israel is conflated with yeah. anti-Semitism. They have, some of them, admitted that that's their trick. In the US, if anyone criticizes Israel, they say they're anti-Semitic. In Europe, they bring up the Holocaust. But I would say that, or even though I've got serious problems with Israel, I would say they're, they're like Trump in a way that people single it out as though it's the only state in the world that's... Uh, yeah. And, and I, I, I guess there, it's the only state in the world guilty of abuses. I think the left's zealous um picking on israel yeah. picking out israel is maybe disproportionate that's that's certainly true i mean much as i dislike george galloway and i do dislike him 
Uh, I don't think he's an anti-Semite. I would love to say he was. It would just be another thing I'd, I'd, I'd like to, to dislike about him. Um, but I, I, I honestly don't think he's an anti-Semite. But uh, he, he is vehemently and rabidly anti-Israeli. Um, and when but I, I think he made a jibe. I think that it was basically a jibe. It was half joking. Um, you know, there'd be no Israeli flags on the, the, the cup. Fine. I think he's got a perfect right to say that. I think he's got a perfect right. To say. Had he have said it on his show, I think he still has a right to say it. I don't think it's an anti-Semitic comment. But even if he did make anti-Semitic comments, even if he did say things that were clearly anti-Semitic, I think he should be allowed to say them. And if he said them in his... Uh, private life, as long as he doesn't bring them into the workplace and start, you know, uh, you know, abusing Jewish people in his workplace, I don't think it's an issue. But then that's my point of view. But it also depends on his contract at yeah. the end of the day. So they can contract to any conditions whatsoever under which they can fire him. But if the contract says we can fire you if you make anti-Semitic comments, and the judge finds that his comments weren't anti-Semitic, they were only anti-Israel, yeah. then he's got a case to make. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, I mean, don't ask me, don't put me in the spot, I can't really think of it, but I think George Galloway has made worse comments. Now, I know he's had a lot of complaints. Uh, is, is it talk, what's it called, it talk sport? Yeah, yeah, and talk radio. I, I like to listen to his talk show sometimes, but what I found really annoying about him is he'd interrupt people Put their but anyway, as I was saying, uh, <laughs> uh, put their mic off while they were trying to talk to him. Make his That's point. That's a common thing with uh, talk show I know, hosts. I know, so. I know. But he'd make his point, and then, and then he wouldn't really let them make his their point. I was found it quite funny as a so-called anti-war person that he's one of these people who tends to go to war on anyone who disagrees with him. Like he's got such a flaming temper. Yeah. Uh, I, I thought, I've told you he's not anti-war. He's well, just that's your opinion. No, I think it's that's a good just assessment. Your opinion, right? Right. Just your that's just like your I think he's spoken very well against all the wars uh, and um, since 9-11 uh, from Syria, Libya, uh, he's, he spoke to deter military action against Iran and I think he was... Did he speak out against Russia's war in Chechnya? Well, I wasn't around when Russia invaded Chechnya. I think you were. Yeah, but I was a very small child. Anyway, anyway, the, the point no, is completely irrelevant. When was it? Uh, it was the, the late 90s, I think. Okay, so I, I wasn't the like... Mid 90s. I, I certainly wouldn't have been thinking about it. So anyway, I think he's done a good job in the anti-war movement. I think his anti-war speeches are, <laughs> worth, are worth listening to. And uh, you can find them on YouTube and decide for yourself because Tam's clearly so vehemently anti-George Galloway that he can't even find any... Vehemently? He can't is that, find, is that a cross can't between any, Bohemian and... I swear to God, if George Galloway came out and fucking cured cancer, uh, Tam would be like, but he's not really against cancer, though. He's not really... Yeah, he just wants he, to put... He's against... He's he against, wants to put medical corporations out of business. He's, he's against certain kinds of cancer that he happens to be against like if he only cured half of the cancers in the world he'd be like yeah he may have cured leukemia but he's not really anti-cancer because he hasn't because he hasn't curing anything he hasn't other than ham he hasn't he hasn't worked hard he is a ham he hasn't worked hard enough to cure those other cancers 
Like anyway, uh, not everyone can also, do also, if you really want another another good laugh at George Galloway, type in George Galloway Rulalenska cat right okay. into Google and or into YouTube, and you will see George Galloway pretending to be a cat on a reality TV on a reality show. TV show, dressed in a leotard and and licking milk out of a saucer. For the delectation of a red-handed uh, woman called Rulalenska. I it's, thought it showed that he was game, that he was willing to he was actually gay. play. That he was actually willing to play the game show. No, he's a tit. Anyway, so moving on uh, from George Galloway to Dominic Rab. Who the fuck is Dominic Rab? People uh, at home are wondering. Okay, Dominic Rab, I think, is quite a bright light within the Conservative Party in the UK. Is he not a cuckservative? Uh, you could argue he makes some good libertarian noises, but he's just recently become my personal hero. Um, but he's one of the contenders for leadership of the Conservative Party now that Theresa May has resigned. He's not as high profile as the other contenders, such as Boris Johnson and Michael Gove, but he, I remember him appearing before a parliamentary committee on Brexit, and Dominic uh, Raab was involved in negotiations with the EU over Brexit. He's certainly bright, he's articulate, and he is he makes a lot of good libertarian noises. I like him. Um, and recently he's got into a little bit of hot water because he refused to say that he was a feminist. In fact, he wrote a piece, and I, it escapes me now, what the... Actually, if you check this out on Spiked, you know, you type in Dominic Rab on Spiked, uh, they they do an article on this. Ella Whelan from Spiked actually does the article. But as you know, in the US and certainly in the UK, you just cannot say that you're not a feminist. You've you've got to be a, you've got to show that you're with the sisterhood. And Dominic Rab said, "No, I'm not a feminist." In fact, he he called uh, feminists bigots in one of an of an article he wrote for a, a political uh, publication. And despite getting a lot of flack for that, he's so far stuck to his guns. It may damage his prospects as a leadership candidate for the Conservative Party, but he's uh, he's called feminists out on a lot of their crap, and he, he refuses to call himself a feminist. And I quite enjoy that. I think he, he done the right thing, and I think it took a bit of courage to do that because he must know, he's not stupid, he must know that will damage his prospects. Um, but it might improve his it, it may because a lot of it, it might resonate worm, with a lot of people the worm is turning maybe yeah and it kind of shows that he's, he's, he's not a rollover you know if, if this is a guy that's going to do any kind of negotiations you like somebody who's going to be able to stick to their guns a little bit and say like well no this is what I believe this is a principle and uh, if you don't like it I've got others no uh, I'm going to stick to it so I enjoyed it but I, one of the things that um Unfortunately, Ella Whelan wrote when she wrote the article on him, and she was basically praising the fact that he stuck to his guns. But she says, I'm not interested whether or not a man's a feminist. Which What we should be asking is more like, are you in favour for, for free childcare for all? Fucking free childcare for all. Well, I'm in favour of free childcare. Do you know why? My mother took care of me, and do you know what? She didn't charge me a penny for that. Can you believe that? And lots of mothers out there take care of their kids and don't charge a penny for it. Uh, so is that what they mean by free childcare for all? Or do they have something else in mind? Or do they mean, I'll have lots of kids and some other fucker can pay for it? Right, yeah. 
that's probably what you need. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not in favor of that. You know, your kids are your kids. You're responsible when you decide to have kids for their health care, their education, feeding them, taking care of them, spending time with them. That shit is on you. And if you don't like it? Uh, don't have kids, you know. Uh, and the so I've, I've got a real problem with that. And there's a... Everybody thinks, you know, that feminists have waved the olive branch recently by by really pushing uh, for paternity leave for men. I think paternity leave for men, uh, sorry, mandatory paternity leave for men uh, is retarded, right? I think mandatory maternity leave is, is retarded. But with paternity leave, and you go, oh, come on, look, feminists are pushing for paternity leave. You know, that, that, that shows that you know, they're not just about women. They're, they're, they're really caring about men as well. No, bullshit. They realise that a big advantage that men have had in the workplace over women is the fact that men don't get pregnant. So what it is, it's a lever. It's an equaliser. So what it's to do is it's not, it's not so that men can get time off as well and we can take care of the kids. Horseshit. It's really so that when two people go for a job and one's a man and one's a woman, there's no, the man no longer has an event, advantage anymore if paternity leave is, is also mandatory for the employer as well. So it removes that, that barrier. So, yeah, and that's the so, real reason. So you're losing, you're losing out on months of experience if you're a woman and you get pregnant and you have to leave the workplace. Men will also lose out months of experience through mandatory paternity leave. Now, I think it's fantastic if you're going to have a child, if you save up some money so you can take up, take off some work and spend more time with the baby. The evidence, or if, or if your employer values you so much that they're prepared to actually give you time. Fantastic. Yeah. But the, the problem with these mandatory things is obviously there <clears throat> people are in a position to choose the best options for themselves. And often these are going to force people to make less good options and less good choices. Um, people might decide to have children that wouldn't. People might decide not to have children that would otherwise have children. And the thing is, like, you can come to Scotland. I'll show you around my area and show you what the welfare state has done in the area of town that I'm staying in very controversial but you know in my area you see people walking down the street with their children calling them the c-word if they're mis misbehaving and these people are rewarded with free houses some of them they get council houses for their they're they're bribed by the state people who shouldn't have children in my opinion my very controversial opinion are bribed by the state to have children. They don't look after the neighborhood. There's garbage everywhere because they don't own their own properties. They, they don't feel like they've got a state, there's stakeholders in the community and they treat it like a public restroom. And all the, like people would think it's controversial me saying that my area is full of C words. But the thing is the decent hard working people over time, over the course of time, uh, move out of that area. And um, you you know leaving leaving it full of c words and the the government pays these people to off at the expense of more responsible members of society forces more responsible people to pay at gunpoint for their poor choices. That that leaves the question: 
well, why do you live there, Anthony, if you're so great? Because he's a C-word. <laughs> yes, indeed. Um, uh, I moved in with a friend and the rent is really, really cheap. So I'm staying, with good reason, the rent is cheap. So I'm staying I there for a while. Anyway. Yeah. So, um, but, you know, I don't want to live there forever because it's not really a very inspiring area of town to live in. But it has been an education and an eye-opener. In fact, they need to remove, they need to replace the term working class in the English language to, there needs to be two tiers. There's working class, like working class people who go to factories and work. And then there's idle class who are called working class, but don't actually do any work whatsoever. So the they live off the welfare state. Okay. It's full of idle class people. Right. Or the, uh, what else could you call them? The, um, the looter class. Looter class, okay. as Ayn Rand would have it. Yeah. One more story. One more. One more story. Because we love you so much. And this is for you Yankee boys out there. You might have heard that Tucker Carlson strikes again. We criticized Tucker Carlson before for his communist views on automation. I think it was episode 109 or something like that. And here he is again, being an a-hole. He has uh, slapped like the hand that feeds him. Is it, is, I don't think that's the correct turn, terminology. Bit, bit the he's he's yeah, turned yeah. on libertarians. He was on Fox the other night going on about he was trashing libertarians and uh, mocking them for being obsessed. Uh, do you, do you know this? Or is this somebody who's, who's making that? Uh, it's all over. It's all okay. over the libertarianosphere. He called us, no, he didn't use the word obsessed, but he more or less said we were obsessed with capitalism and Austrian economics. Uh, you may remember that last year he gave some talk about how, oh, it's not all about economics, it's our families and stuff like this. And um, he basically claimed that what's wrong and bad with the Republican Party is their libertarian leanings. I'd love yeah, to see the I Republican Party. Yeah. Where are leanings. those libertarian yeah. leanings? Yes. Can anybody, if anybody could uh, give us an example, or you know, maybe even film some libertarian <laughs> leaning uh, from any conservatives, I'll just, I'll, I'll just be someone following Ron Paul around with an <laughs> sorry, Rand Paul around with an iPhone, yeah, trying to catch him saying something libertarian. -ish. Yeah, this is that, that's just absurd to suggest. Yeah, libertarian leanings. We couldn't do. They can lean a little bit more, could they? Yeah, it would be nice if they did. So, you know, people, he brought people in with some libertarian noises, as you put it, mm. and he did give a talk at a Ron Paul rally once years and years ago. But he, like the right in general, I feel, are always willing to throw, like, libertarians are very big on courting the right. I think, uh, I think in days gone by under Bush, they were making big, big swings to try and court left-wing people over. They were trying to court left-wing people over to libertarianism. And ever since Obama's been in office, the pendulum has swung and they've been trying to get in bed with the right. But these people don't care about you. They see you as their retarded wee cousin that they can pat you on the head. Oh, isn't that nice? He still has principles. Oh, I used to have principles once. That's how these conservatives see you. And at the first chance, they will throw you under the bus. Yeah. So, anything to say about Cuck the Tuck, Tuck the Cuck? Well, um, he's getting perilously close to our cuck a doodle dude 
Uh, has he been a cockle doodle dude before? He has actually. Uh, was he? Did I we think we call him the cockle doodle dude? I think we did because he 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 cocked out when he was on um, Ben Shapiro's show. Yeah. Do you think he does this just to get our attention? Do you think he's deliberately saying these things? Because if he does, people will go on Facebook and go, "Oh my God, you can't believe what Tucker Carlson said about libertarians." It's possible, but no, I think he's. I think he actually just genuinely does. Um, have some sort of weird beef with with libertarianism in general but the thing is it's like it's like they're the people who are listening to it they're the people who are going oh i'm so glad that tucker carlson's on fox news at least we get someone who's making libertarian noises and he doesn't appreciate it in fact he's just shit he's just coming on our faces Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely astounded by that last uh, <laughs> but, see, but I mean, a lot of people might like that. <laughs> you might. I've got a beard, I don't want to be picking that shit. <laughs> Just when you thought it couldn't get any worse. I knew it could get worse. Adam Smasher says, Tugger. Tugger Carlson. Yeah, Michael, he also says Michael Malice has the best analysis of conservatives. Okay, well, but what, what you, would Adam that... Smasher. Do you know what I mean? Why, if you like Michael Malice so much, why don't you go marry him? Why don't you go and listen to his show? <laughs> yeah, isn't Michael Malice cut out a few times? Isn't Michael Malice the guy that practically got his guide shot in North Korea? Uh, I don't know if I, I don't like. Didn't he come on? Didn't he go on uh, Dave Rubin's show? And and basically say, oh, my guide in, uh, in North all, Korea all told things. me this and told me that and told me the next thing. I mean, how hard would it be to find out who his guide was? You know, the entire family's probably through, put through a mincer. Yeah, you know, um, a bit like Michael Malice. He's so, a bit of a mincer. Well, I think that we should probably conclude the show for this week. Uh, it's good Do you like Michael Malice? I, I love him. Okay. Uh, he's got us. I think we would have a great pint with him. He's got a good sense of humour. He's been on Joe Rogan's show a few times as well, hasn't he? It would be great to have him on Scottish Liberty Podcast. Who, Joe Rogan or Michael Malice? Either or, but I was speaking okay. about Michael Malice. So send your messages to or Michael Your Malice. messages of love. Uh, to say that you should come on Scottish Liberty Podcast. Uh, um, did we want to say, oh yeah, Scottish Some... Liberty Podcast now has Patreon. Scottish do Patreon, we? yes, we do. I never agreed a, to this. A lot, has, a lot has changed <laughs> since you've been on the air, sunshine. <laughs> We're in danger of becoming Patreon. our own cuckold doodle dudes. Yeah. <laughs> Patreon.com <laughs> forward slash Scottish Liberty Podcast. Well, it has been said that Scottish people are very tight fisted, and it has also been said that Jewish people are very tight fisted. So, this is, you're getting the double. I know. Here. I don't know what that makes me, but actually, the most tight fisted people in the world. Are the listeners yeah. of the Scottish Liberty Podcast? <laughs> <laughs> because because we've got a grand total of two Patreons, and the show routinely does over a thousand hits. But maybe maybe but, people don't want to give Patreon their money. Have you thought about that? Well, if that's if that's the only reason why you're not donating, you can email me personally at frequency five two eight at hotmail.com. Wait, oh, sorry. at frequency five two eight at hotmail.co.uk. Otherwise, go on patreon.com forward slash Scottish Liberty Podcast and pledge 
your $3 or $5 a month, that would be really, really helpful. Okay. Peter McCain has asked when the AGM, he's referring to the Scottish Libertarian Party AGM, an event not to be missed, um, especially if you're a member. Uh, this year it's going to be in Kilmarnock. Um, if you check the website, I believe it's up there. Um, if not, check on our Facebook page, but it's in September. Um, so, yeah. It's a long, long time from June to December. You, you at home, don't go cooking. <laughs> <laughs>